you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. You know, people have such unique perspectives on prayer. As the ushers, they're kind enough to help me in passing these cards out, and they also have pens. For many people that profess Christ, prayer is vital only in a bind. Maybe you heard the story about the two men who were shipwrecked. And one of them started to pray. And this is what he prayed. Dear Lord, I've broken most of the commandments. I've been an awful sinner all of my days. Lord, if you'll spare me, I'll... And the other one shouted and interrupted and said, Hold on, don't commit yourself. I think I see a boat. How many people treat prayer only as an emergency hotline? But I pray the Lord will help us to understand what prayer is. That prayer is what maintains a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just an emergency hotline. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come before you right now, thanking you for the word of the living God that's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Lord, for these few moments that we have together today, would you speak to us in a powerful and personal way? Lord, I, as, I, as I stand here about ready to share the Word of God, I ask you to answer prayers and send miracles even in this house this morning. I believe, Lord, in the miracle-working power that is in Jesus Christ. Bless your Word. Bless your servant. Bless our ears to hear, I pray, in Christ's name. And the church said, amen. Today we want to talk about the effective methods of prayer. Over the last two Sundays when we've asked the question, are you there, God? We've talked about prayer in great length. The most recent message last Sunday dealing with hindrances to effective prayer. And we went ahead and took the liberty on this card this morning that I hope you'll keep in your Bible or by your nightstand or put it on your refrigerator or somewhere. This won't just be something to take notes, but this will be something that'll stay with you. But we put on one side the six hindrances to effective prayer. 
And they are as follows, according to Scripture, sin will keep us from having an effective prayer life. If we have idols that have taken more importance than the Lord, praying with the wrong motives. We said last week it's important that when we pray, that we're praying so that the Lord receives the glory and the honor for the answered prayer that will come. Then we talked about another barrier to prayer being answered is having a grudge or an ought against someone. Being stingy in your giving will clog up the prayer line. Mistreatment of your spouse. These are all backed up with Scripture, and the references are there. If you missed last week, feel free to go home and look them up and study and research them out. But now that we've talked about prevailing prayer and the hindrances that can prohibit effective prayer, today we want to talk about effective methods of prayer that will bring great results. The question that the disciples asked Jesus was, Lord, would you teach us to pray? And this is, this is a question that many Christians have. Not just teach me how to pray, but teach me to pray so that I can see definitive results in my walk with the Lord. Why do I pray? You ever ask yourself the question, why do you pray? I think there's two main reasons why we pray. I've stated one already. One reason I pray is because I want a close relationship with Jesus. And you cannot know Jesus if you don't talk to Jesus. Number two, I, I, I pray because I have needs that only the Lord can supply. No one around me can help me. As much as I love my wife, I love my son, I love my parents, I love my family, there's only but certain things that they can do for me. There are some things that only the Lord God Almighty can do on my behalf. So this morning I want to talk about the, the methods of effective prayer. There's five of them. And the first two have to do with, with setting or spiritual posture, if you will. Now I'm not talking about kneeling or standing or walking uh, you know, I'm not talking about laying on your face. All of those uh, can be effective postures, literal physical postures. But I'm talking about proper, proper setting, proper spiritual posture uh, to be effective in your prayer life. And on your card here, the first one I want to address this morning is found in 1 John 3.22. And that is that when we come to the Lord, we must come with a life of obedience. A life of obedience simply means that we obey his commands. You see, one of the most common mistakes is the taking of promises that are made to one group of people and applying them to another group of people, and disappointment ends up being the result. Now, over the years, I've heard a lot in Christianity, especially in media and television ministry, you'll hear some name it and claim it and blab it and grab it and speak it and take it and it's sort of some quick fix approach to faith and to prayer. But I'm here to tell you this morning and what I really hope for the last three Sundays, including today, is that, that prayer needs to be taught and hopefully you'll get it in the context of the Bible, the whole Word of God. You cannot treat prayer flippantly. 1 John 3, 22, this is what it says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. There's too many that are wandering around disappointed because they think that God does not answer prayer. 
They can pray with great words and have great emotion and still not be getting anywhere. And the reason is, is that they're not coming to Jesus in prayer with a completely obedient life. You say, well, pastor, what must I do to live an obedient life? How can I know that when I come to the Father that my, my prayers, that I have been obedient? i tell you the quickest way to learn how to be obedient is to follow the instructions. Come on now, somebody help me here. Find out through the Word of God. You cannot obey the Word if you never read the Word, if you never study the Word, if you never meditate upon the Word. I'm telling you, this is not a, a fairy tale book. This is not a history book alone. This is not a genealogy for your family. This is not to be a centerpiece for your coffee table. This is to be a book for living. This is to be a book for existence. This is to be a book for victory. And I am strongly convinced that if God gave you this book to live by, then he will give you the grace and the strength to live by the principles that are found in the word of God. There's too many that can quote the stories of the Bible, but they don't know the principles of daily living in the Bible. But I've also come by to say with great assurance that once you get the principles of the word of God inside of you, I believe that when you approach the throne, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Can someone say praise the Lord? If you turn a deaf ear to his commandments, he turns a deaf ear to our prayers. But you can know when you are living right and therefore when you prayed this morning, it may not have been loud. It may not have been emotional. You may not have had spiritual goosebumps chase one another up and down your spine. But you can have assurance that God has heard your prayer and will answer because of your obedience. Oh, let me just spend a few more moments here. Sacrifices of praise and worship are wonderful. It's great to praise the Lord. It's wonderful to worship the Lord. But obedience moves the hand of God. If you go back in the Old Testament, you'll read about a, a, a man by the name of Saul, a king in the Old Testament. He went to worshiping. He went to sacrificing, offering animal sacrifices unto the Lord. But when he did it with all the good intentions, he was disobedient because it was not his place to offer an animal sacrifice unto the Lord. It was the place of the priest. And you know what he was corrected with? These words, to obey is better than sacrifice to hearken than the fatted of rams. Like my mama used to tell me, it's not how loud you shout, it's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. But I'm telling you, when you've walked it straight and you've walked it according to the word of God, you are on praying ground with the Lord and you will begin to see more effective, definitive results in your life as a result of your obedience to the king. Praise the Lord. We can ask anything of him because we keep his commandments. Method number two on your card also has to do with posture. And doing the things that are pleasing in his sight. 1 John 3, 22, and whatsoever you ask, you receive of him. Number one, because you keep his commandments. Number two, because you do things that are pleasing in his sight. Have you ever done those things just to, as a husband, just to please your wife or to please your husband, 
And it does work. It does make a difference. I'm not talking about the regular duties or, or household chores. In the early years that Sandra and I were, were married to impress her since we both worked full-time jobs, I, I started doing the grocery shopping and I started helping out with the laundry. And at first it very much impressed her as my young bride until the day I forgot her chocolate milk or didn't fold the towels right. You know, if you want it done right, geez, you just do it yourself. But I mean, if your child, I know this, this almost sounds like a supernatural here, but if your child were to go in to clean their room as you command, but additionally decided that they would stack their shoes or polish their furniture, yes, I, I'd say it, God is a miracle worker. You are more apt to give above on the allowance because they have done something that is pleasing in your sight. They haven't just been obedient, but they've done some things that are pleasing in your sight. Our Heavenly Father is the same way, according to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22. I, I kind of thought about that this week and, and processed some of that. And I, I thought, you know, what are some things, Lord, that, that I could do that would be additional, that would be pleasing to you, that goes beyond just being obedient? And, and the Lord just kind of laid these on my heart. How about when we... Praise him when we don't feel like it. That pleases him. It's easy to praise him on the mountaintop, but praise him when you don't feel like praising him. And that touches his heart. How about if you pray a little extra? You spend a little extra time with Jesus, I believe. That pleases him. How about if you just love someone just because the most honorary, obstinate personality in your workplace, you just determined that you're going to love them because you want to be pleasing to the Lord. How about you speak a kind word without any prompting? You just have a, a radiant disposition. I believe all of this is pleasing unto the Lord. How about, how about if you study the Bible after you read your three-minute daily devotion. I thought these are just a few examples of some things that would be uh, pleasing to the Lord. And, and then as I was processing through this, I thought, you know, there are some things that we could avoid doing that would be pleasing in his sight. Now, this is where us preachers say we're, we're going to do a little clothesline preaching. So tell your neighbor to hold on right here. We could avoid doing some things that would be pleasing in his sight. I thought this week, does God say in his word, anywhere in his word, thou shalt not attend R-rated movies? He doesn't say that anywhere. I've read that book several times. I've never read where it says thou shalt not attend R-rated movies. I'm telling you, I sat and watched a, a PG-13 movie loaded with God's name used in vain the other day. I should have left the theater, and honestly, I felt like I needed a bath when I was done. That's the truth. Does God say thou shalt not gyrate on the dance floor or fill your eyes or mind with filthy entertainment? No, he doesn't. But he does speak out against lust in your eyes and lust in your heart. Does God write thou shalt not go around dressed in half-clad garments showing body parts that was intended for only your spouse to see? No, he doesn't write it out specifically like that. But he does speak out against being a stumbling block and causing someone else to fail. 
Oh, I'm preaching good now. Get God right in the word. Thou shalt not buy a lottery ticket. I've never read that anywhere. But I tell you what, he does speak out against a covetous spirit and having a greedy heart. I'm telling you, there are things that when you're really loyal to the Lord, you know in your heart and you question in your heart and you begin to ask yourself, is what I am doing at this moment, is it pleasing to the Lord? I'm telling you right now, there's not a moment of worldly entertainment that is worth uh, causing my prayer line to be clogged to heaven. I only want to live obedient to him, but not only obedient to him, but I want to do things and avoid doing things that are pleasing in his sight. I want to do those things that please him. I want to avoid correction doing those things that displease him. It's all about effective posture. Effective posture. He said, I don't know. You're stretching it. You done gotten in this new building. You ought to lighten up a little bit. I told somebody last week, I didn't know how many we were going to have this morning after last Sunday. You need to lighten up a little bit, preacher. No, no, no. Only thing this room means to me is that there's more opportunity for more people to hear the truth of the gospel. The larger the room, the more potential for somebody to sit in those seats that will hear somebody to declare the whole word of Almighty God. We cannot afford to water it down. We cannot afford to compromise it. We must be obedient to God, and we must do those things that are pleasing to him. And when we have done those things, I'm telling you, we have set ourselves up for the miraculous hand of God to move on our behalf. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hebrews tells us, lay aside every sin and weight that doth so easily beset us. What may be a sin for me may not necessarily be a sin for you. It could still be a weight. It could still be a distraction. So are you in the posture to pray? And to pray effectively. The next three methods have to do with actual praying. Number three, praying in the name of Jesus. Praying in the name of Jesus. John 14, 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I'm telling you, we are living in a competing culture. We're worried about who's winning Grammys and who's winning Emmys and who's winning Academy Awards and Country Music and Actor Guild. We're, we're, we keep track of this athlete and this actress and, and this singer, but I want to just stop here and say to the top of my lungs, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, and that is, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven 
and in earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I'm telling you, there is no other name that will move heaven and earth. There is no other name that brings salvation. There's no other name that brings healing. There's no other name that can repair a relationship. But when you call upon the name of Jesus, whether it's in a whisper or whether it's shouted to the top of your lungs, I believe the Lord responds to his children that call upon his name and he shows his arm on their behalf. Well, praise the Lord. The name Jesus brought healing to the lame man in Acts chapter 3. Luke 24 and 47 says, Repentance and remission should be preached in his name. John 20, 31, life comes through his name. In Acts 16, 18, demons were cast out of a young girl in the name of Jesus. The devil nipping at your heels. You can say Donald Jones all day long, all week long, all year long. If anything, it'll draw him in closer and tighter. Because it's not about the personality behind this pulpit. It's about the name that is above every name. And I'm telling you, if the devil's harassing you, what you need to do is take authority in the name of Jesus. You're not an orphan. You're a child of the Most High God. You need to send the devil to flight, and you can do it when you speak the name of Jesus. Most of us know it. Very few of us practice it. I found myself this week reminded that I don't say in my prayer life the name of Jesus enough. <laughs> I can't come to God in and of myself. because the very best of my righteousness. Oily, filthy, dirty rags. In the presence of the Lord. R.A. Torrey wrote it like this. Praying in the name of Jesus means we go to the bank of heaven. On which you or I or any other man have no claim of our own. But on which Jesus has infinite claims. You see, when I accepted Jesus, my name was added to the account. <laughs> so when I go to the Father in the name of the Son... It is enough. Method number four. Praying according to God's will. Have you ever asked yourself the question, is this that I am asking God for? Is it God's plan and will for my life? I'm telling you, honey, he may, not, he may look like all that. He may look like a, a model on the outside and be the devil on the inside. You better be careful. She may look like she's all that, perfectly formed and figured. But she could be a Jezebel on the inside. We better ask God what his will is for us. Your emotions will let you down. Your logic, however bright you may be, it will fail you. Your plans will come unglued. But I'm telling you, when you make up your mind, Lord, 
I'm not going to move until I know it's your will. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Listen to what it says. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have desired of him. How does, how does God make his will known to us? We want God's will. We want his perfect will. We don't want his passive will. We don't want his permissive will. We want to know what his will is. I want to know what his will is for my life. I want to know, what God, what do you want from me? What do you want for me? And there's, it's, it's very simple. There's two ways to know it. One is through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. There's some things you can read in the Word of God and you don't even have to question. Billy Bob may be a hellion and a heathen, but God wants to save Billy Bob. You may think he's devil incarnate and possessed, and there ain't no way he can be saved. But the Scripture, the Bible says that God is willing that none should perish. So you don't have to worry. You keep praying for Billy Bob because God wants to save Billy Bob. You don't have to question that. You don't have to wonder about that. I'll tell you something else. Something else you never have to worry about. If you, if you want to become wiser, if you want God's wisdom, he will give it to you if you pray for it. He said in his word, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and will not chastise you for asking. You don't have to question that. Tell you another 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 way that you can know the will of God for your life is through his spirit. One of the many reasons that we encourage people to be filled with the spirit is because we want them to get to a place where they're praying in the spirit because when you are praying in the spirit you are praying according to the will of God. That's word. Romans 8, 27, listen to what it says. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Aunt B, I'm telling you, I can pray in my own language. I can bellow and cry and weep and moan aloud. It may not necessarily be praying according to the will of God, but I'm telling you when the Holy Ghost takes over, when the Spirit of God begins to pray through me, when I begin, mm, my Lord, I feel the Spirit of God now. When I start praying in that language that I didn't learn, that no one taught to me, that came from on high, I'm telling you, at that moment, at that moment, I can be assured that not only am I building up my most holy faith according to the Scripture, but I am also praying in the perfect will of God because the Spirit searches and knows what the mind of God is, and He prays it through us. So we're praying according to God's will. And then finally, method number five, praying in faith. Praying in faith. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. 
what things soever you desire when you pray. Believe, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It's not enough to pray. You know, again, we treat prayer flippantly. We go to pray, but we don't actually sometimes believe that God's going to hear the prayer that we prayed. It don't look like anything's changed. It doesn't sound like anything's changed. And so we prayed about that last week, and God ain't done nothing with it, so I'm just going to move on to something else. Maybe what the Lord is waiting for is that you come into the prayer closet and you do more than just offer, offer lip service, but you actually believe that he's going to do what you're asking him to do. You can't doubt. I don't know how it's going to be paid. It's not up to you to figure that out. God's your provider. I don't know how my family is going to be protected. It's not up to you to figure that out. God's your protector. When you bend your knee, when you stand with your hands spread to heaven, you, you have to believe. You, you have to be diligent in praying and vigilant in praying, and you have to be optimistic in praying. How often do we ensnare our own prayer and nullify it when we leave the prayer closet and we're talking with a family member about the very thing that we prayed about and we're despondent and we're doubtful? And the Lord is saying, why have you nullified everything you just done in prayer? Come on, are you all out there this morning? Why are you voiding the prayer that you prayed, when that loved one, when that young person, when that, when that college student, when that teenager, when that child is looking to you, you have to say, you know what? I have prayed and I also believe. I pray and I believe. I believe and I pray. Why? Because with God all things are possible. And nothing is impossible with God. I know I've, man, I've given you a, to quote what I say to my fellow preacher friend, I've given you a fire hydrant full the last two weeks. But we need to teach prayer as the Bible teaches prayer. Not as Johnny come lately on media teaches prayer. Send him $100 and he'll send you some oil from some foreign country somewhere. He probably just went to the grocery store and dumped some olive oil out into a canister and sent it to you. Aren't you tired of, I don't even watch TV ministry anymore, I'll be frank. I'm tired of the shenanigans. I'm tired of the fraud. I'm not out to make millions. I know where my treasure is. But I am called to be a shepherd. And a shepherd needs to teach his sheep. And in this particular example, God has called me for these Sundays to just teach you the theology of prayer. So that when you pray, 
you will begin to see God move in greater ways than you have ever imagined before. Do you pray? What miracle do you need today? I'm looking at people in this room that are desperate for some miracles. There's people sitting in this room that if the Lord don't intervene, they're, they're, their mortality is, is facing them. And yet I read in the Bible where a man prayed, turned his face to the wall, and God turned the prophet around before he got out of the courtyard, sent him back and said, tell Hezekiah, I've heard his prayer. I'm giving him 15 more years to live. Uh, we, we still serve a miracle-working God, do we not? Is there anybody in the house that still believes, that still believes that with God all things are possible? I want you to stand with me to your feet. All things are possible. Only believe. Only pray. Only believe. All things are possible. <laughs> you stand here today. You profess to be his child. You live for and you are in love with Jesus. You are a child of God. You have every right, privilege, authority, and responsibility to come to the throne of heaven. Your name has been added to the account. You are a child of the king. And I'm telling you, there are desperate needs in this room, and they may vary from one person to the other. But if you need God to answer some prayers. I want you to come and stand across the front of this church as quickly as you can and come prepared to pray in the name of Jesus. Come prepared to pray in the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Just leave me a little space to walk in front of you. Come on. Come on. Come on. There are others. You say, well, I know I'm, I'm feeble in body. I'm older, I'm aged, and so maybe I'm past my miracle. Don't you believe that for one moment? Don't you believe that for one moment? It's time to extend your measure of faith. It's time to extend your measure of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And before we actually pray for your miracle, you that are standing around the altar specifically, I want you to ask God right now, are you living a life of obedience to the Lord? Just ask Him right now. Just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Am I obedient to you, Lord? Do I live? every day 
Do I do things that are pleasing to you? Do I avoid things that are displeasing to you? Maybe there's something he checks your spirit. All you got to do is repent over it right now. That's all you got to do. And you're just you and the Lord. All you got to do is say, Lord, you bring something to my mind right now. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you ready? You got the hand of your spouse. If you've not got hands joined with anybody, now you're going to lift your hands right now and begin to pray in the name of Jesus. Begin to pray in the name of Jesus. If you've got to say it a hundred times, in the name of Jesus, articulate that need right now. Articulate that need right now. Saints of God that are in the congregation, extend your hand this direction. Extend your hand this direction right now. And pray, 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 pray. Come on, begin to lift up. Begin to lift up your petition to the Lord right now. Oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I wish some saints would lift up their voices to the Lord right now. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift your voice like a trumpet to the Lord. (laughs) 